Well, good evening, everyone. It is so great to either see you or listen to you or hear you. Uh, this is Dave Stevens, and uh, I'm here as your co-host of the Geary Stein and Stevens Show. And again, it's uh, it's going to be a fun night. Yeah, you might be caught up in football. You might be caught up in uh, NBA or whatever, but uh, we have a legend on our show tonight, a guy I used to work with at ESPN, uh, who has now moved that transition from being on SportsCenter to being an amazing broadcast caster for the Boston Bruins. You might have heard him. Here's one of Jack Edwards' calls. Sagan sets up in front. Now Sagan at the post on the cycle. Right off of Reimer. The stick save. Blitzchuk's drive. Rattles around in front. Marshawn to Bergeron. on the drive save. Rebound is loose. Sagan kicks him loose. That's right. Jack Edwards joining us tonight. And uh, let me just go ahead and bring in my friend. It is so great to have you with uh, Troy and I tonight. Jack, uh, I know it's been a while since we've been together, but uh, you you don't age. I know you don't grow, but you don't age as well either. <laughs> it's the wrinkled cream. <laughs> just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm a 16-year-old at heart, so, you know, it's paying off. Someday I'm going to wake up and the wrinkles will be down to my ankles. But, uh, you know, I'm enjoying the ride. And, and what a ride it's been. And we're going to reminisce. Uh, but tonight, my hockey guy, he's in, in Minnesota. Troy Geary, my co-host, my brother tonight. And uh, Troy's going to probably run a lot of this because of his hockey knowledge, picking your brain, uh, Troy. How are things up in Minnesota tonight, even though you got your Kansas City hat on tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, Minnesota is uh, actually a balmy 30 degrees today, so uh, that's improvement from the below zero weather we had. So excited for the show tonight. Yeah, we uh, love the chance to talk hockey. Uh, we uh, sometimes end up a little football dominated on this show, but uh, tonight we're just going to talk hockey and reminisce and a of course, Jack and I, we go way back. I know he started a little bit before me, but, you know, Jack's been in this business a long time, uh, worked his way up kind of in local TV and then got to ESPN and then decided, hey, you know, as we all realize there is life after ESPN. I mean, are, are you, you know, are you are you happy? Is is life good for you up there in Boston? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. Um you know, the uh, the ASPN experience was wonderful uh, for growth in my career. And I met my wife at ESPN and um, I enjoyed the experience for the most part. Uh, but I was frustrated by the land of opportunity, but not knowing how to get the opportunity. Um, so um, I, I last saw you, Dave, at ESPN uh, coming out of the 2013 lockout, was it? And I hadn't been to ESPN since they erected the iron gate around the entire campus. And I was told by a gun-toting security guy 
that I couldn't walk between buildings without a printed pass and an escort. And I said, like, I, I was working here when there was a muddy parking lot and employees questioned whether their paychecks would bounce or not. And, and now it's an iron gated campus. And, and you, I don't recall if you said this or not to me, but I remember it's to keep the inmates in, <laughs> not to keep the enemies out. But, you know, hey, ESPN is many things to many people, and it's uh, it, it was a great place to make professional associations and uh, meet with um, really, really talented people. I, I mean, you know, back when I entered the ESPN culture, full-time in 1991. Um, I had done plenty of freelance work for them uh, throughout the mid and late 80s. Um, the Sports Center anchor staff was um, Chris Berman, John Saunders, Robin Roberts, Dan Patrick, uh, Bill Patrick, Mike Tirico, Chris Myers, um, Charlie Steiner, who was the greatest kicker writer of all time. Absolutely. Get his intro to Carl Lewis's national anthem. So Francis Scott off key. So, so you know, it was a wonderful place to learn. And, um, I, I was frustrated most by not being able to talk to the athletes while they were still sweating uh, after the games because not a lot of teams, period, except for high school teams, come through Bristol, Connecticut. And um, I had the chance to get... Uh, uh, an original six job with the Bruins and it's been Valhalla. <laughs> I want to ask you about the 1988 winter Olympics in Calgary. Uh, you were working for ABC and you did Alpine skiing for the, for the Olympics. Can you tell us about that experience? Uh, just overall experience in general. Um, I was working at channel five in Boston in the uh, fall of 1987, and I got a phone call right after the sportscast in the sports department. And, um, you know, we actually had offices, and that was unusual for a local network affiliate. And uh, the man on the other end said, uh, this is Jeff Mason with ABC Sports. I'm the executive producer of uh, the Olympic Winter Games in Calgary. And I've seen your work uh, calling skiing on ESPN. <clears throat> and uh, I would like to hire you as the on-mountain alpine skiing reporter. And I thought it was a prank, you know, 
because for a kid growing up in New Hampshire, where if you don't ski and play hockey and get into outdoor winter sports, you're lonely. <laughs> and um, I, it was a dream come true. And um, that was in the age, the final age of limos and expensive counts and three channels available to the United States. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> I had imposter uh, complex because the uh, day before the Olympics uh, lit the torch, um, I got called from Nikiska, which was the mountain uh, where the Alpine events were being held into the brand new Calgary Saddledome, which still stands and serves as the home for the flames now. Mm -hmm. And um, I walked into the media lounge now, which was a conference room then, and looked around and there was Frank Gifford, Howard Cosell, um, uh, uh, Peggy Fleming, um, uh, Jim McKay, Bob Beatty, who was working on the Alpine, um, Al Trotwig, uh, Dick Button, um, Eric Hyden, uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, all these unbelievable, did I mention uh, Chris Schenkel? and Bill Fleming and, you know, just these icons of my childhood in sports television and <laughs> me, <laughs> what? I didn't belong in that room. <laughs> so, so um, the day that the men's downhill was scheduled, uh, it is, uh, traditionally the first gold medal event of the Olympic winter games. And we had 120 mile an hour gusts at the uh, top of uh, Nikiska. And uh, there was no race. Um, before that, the sign on, um, I took my radio IFB, uh, which had the signal of the line signal, which was, you know, the broadcast signal uh, with an interrupt um, for the truck to talk to me. But otherwise, I was hearing the line out. And uh, I took the earphone plug out of the uh, radio packet and uh, held the uh, uh, speaker toward my five-person crew. And the Olympic theme began to play as we signed on the air. <laughs> and I looked around and there were tears in everybody's eyes. We were so thrilled. And um, to have it called off 
the first day was actually spectacular for us as a crew because we were out in really radical weather conditions and it was blowing debris and snow sideways. And after we finished our hit with the uh, uh, race director, which confirmed that there would be no race today, uh, the interrupt button got pressed at master control in Calgary and a voice came on and said, boy, Jack, this is Rune Arledge. It's <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> wow. Whoa! I've, I've heard God's voice. <laughs> so for our young listeners, Rune Arledge was basically the brains of the Olympics on ABC when the Olympics was still a big deal na- you know, internationally. Yeah. And, and Rune Arledge is most famous for transforming ABC as a network from and also ran far behind CBS and NBC to prominence in the 1960s when he got the rights for the Mexico City Olympics. And um, he sent his researchers out all over the world and they came back to him and said, you know, Mexico City is high elevation and the East Africans are gonna dominate the distance races. And so he said to them the famous words, give me a reason to watch. And he found out like from these storytellers who were up close and personal, that was the mode of, uh, oh, or the motto of uh, the uh, features that a guy named Kip Kano ran seven miles to school and seven miles home six days a week. <laughs> so add it up. That's six times 14. That's like 84 miles at high elevation every single week. <laughs> no wonder he dominated. You know, and and to get that human side into sports was a breakthrough because before then it was just wannabes as play-by-play guys and ex-jocks as color guys talking X's and O's. And that universalized, is that a word? Um, uh, The experience of viewing sports. And by saying that, give me a reason to watch. Um, He changed TV sports forever. And, you know, many have attempted to pick up the torch and carry it forward. Uh, Notably, Jed Jed Drake at ESPN in my years there um, took it forward undoubtedly into the digital age. And um, he did a lot of daring production that, that brought the audience closer. 
But um, rare is the person who has advanced television sports as much as Rune Arledge. And I, uh, I treasure that uh, three-week experience in Calgary. And what an experience. What a great story. Uh, the only thing is I found the wide world of sports offensive because it was always about the agony of defeat. And since I don't have legs, I find it highly offensive. But uh, anyway, we've got a great show continuing. But i got to tell you about our sponsors. Got to thank Fresh Clean Threads for being a big part of our show. And don't forget, they have all kinds of great shirts that you can wear. Henleys, polos, all kinds of stuff. Make sure you go on to FreshCleanThreads.com, use the show code GSS show, and you get 20% off your order. And you look good, you feel good, you smell good. And of course, hey, what are you going to do when you want to wear clothes that are good? Go to FreshCleanThreads.com. FreshCleanThreads.com will make you look good. And again, we got uh, Jack Edwards joining us. And Jack, again, it is so awesome for you to uh, join us for a little bit. Um, I have to kind of show you uh, a little bit of your past because, again, everyone knows Jack Edwards was on ESPN and what he did as a sports center anchor, but people forget the amazing commercials that Jack was a part of when they were in their heyday. <laughs> Just watch and listen. Shoe endorsements the past couple of years is kind of hard to explain, but uh, it's really picked up. This is your shoe. This is the Jack Edwards shoe. It's going to be the Air Jordan of executive footwear. They want to sign the top sportscasters. We're not about Berman and Oberman. We're about Jack Edwards. We're going to send you to every shoe show in the country and the world. You ever been to a shoe show? They'll do virtually anything to get you to sign that contract. You'd be a part of the family, much like your colleague, Carl Ravitch. Again, the Indians appear to be the team to beat. Emotionally, though, he just wasn't prepared. Jimmy Key is attempting Jimmy to come Key, back. Jimmy Key, what's he like, 45? I could hit him. I mean, it's a different game in here. Jack, do you watch, do you watch the game? I mean, didn't, didn't it suck? It sucked. It is with much regret that I announced that I am leaving SportsCenter. Bottom line, he, he just came out too soon. Roger. Jack. Gonna be a while. Always a fun time in Sports Center, Robert especially this commercial. This was the he best. Has not lost his best fastball, Jack. Oh, come on, 89, 90 miles an hour tops. 95, 96, two weeks ago, 100 earlier this year in Detroit, he can still bring it. Yeah, I don't believe that. All right, wait, we can settle this real easily. Rocket, could, could you come in here for a second? What's up, gang? Jack here says you, you can't bring it anymore. Oh, is that right? Can you hold that for me, please? <laughs> 98. Just a little blast from Jack's past. And Jack, what are, what are your memories of those commercials? I remember, you know, when I used to be on my crutches coming in and it's like you can't go to work because Evander Holyfield is blocking the elevator. It was always surreal what to expect when we were in our heyday. Just what are some of your memories of those commercials? First of all, um, they were so well done. Um an ad agency, uh, I forget the name, but uh, they were associated with the uh, Nike Just Do It campaign. Um, so they were really top drawer. And they came in and interviewed us for like an hour and a half individually. And then for six weeks, nothing happened. And then we got these scripts 
and they were wild and they had exactly one grain of truth in them, which is the key to a great joke. And they executed beautifully. And the backstory on the Roger Clemens thing is that I, when working in Boston for the ABC affiliate, <laughs> criticized Roger and he, he took exception to it and got in a uh, well-documented, famous poke the little guy in the chest all the way across the Bruins, uh, the Red Sox clubhouse as the sea of media parted and nobody defended me against this six foot four, 220 pound monster who objected to my criticism. But uh, we patched it up about a month later and, you know, <laughs> but I said to him uh, when he got there that morning, I'll bet you wanted to do this in 1986. <laughs> and he said, yeah, that's water under the bridge. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I still have the loafers that were dressed on the dummy. So, you know, it's a souvenir. I want you to take us back to your first Bruins uh, broadcast, being a lifelong Bruins fan and idolizing the greats like Bobby Orr. What was that day like, and what did that mean to you uh, when your first uh, the first day on the job there? Well, I I tell this story a lot. Um, my pillow was soaked with tears throughout my childhood because the Canadians would thwart the Bruins all the time. When I first caught on to hockey, the Bruins were in the course of missing the playoffs for seven consecutive years in a league in which four teams out of six made the playoffs. And God bless him, Eddie Johnston played goal for the Bruins in every single one of the games in one season of those years. And Bobby Orr came like a young crew cut God out of Canada and transformed what hockey is to this day in New England. Rinks popped up all over the place. Youth leagues were burgeoning. They, they uh, couldn't keep skates in stock in hardware stores, which was where we used to buy sports equipment because there were few and far between sports specialty stores. And um, so when you talk about New England, um, there isn't an original six, there's an original one. And you stay with the Bruins, whether they're good or bad or somewhere in between. And through 29 years of making the playoffs consecutively, an all-time postseason streak that I believe will never be broken in North American sport, they won the cup once. 
And I hooked on with the Bruins just after the uh, year-long lockout ended. It was Sidney Crosby's uh, debut season and Alex Ovechkin's as well. And uh, it was as surreal an experience as I've ever had because I set several goals um, coming out of college as a broadcaster to achieve to just be the peak of the mountain. Um, and the most preposterous of them was to be the Bruins play-by-play broadcaster. And, you know, it's all about qualifications and timing, especially timing, because when Fred Cusick finally gave it up, the originator of hockey broadcasting, not just on TV, but on radio in New England. Uh, when he finally hung it up, I had just signed a four-year Sports Center anchor contract. And I went into the vice president of meanness at ESPN. Norman, <laughs> no, no, no. It was above his pay grade at that time. <clears throat> Norby is a great guy. And uh, I said to him, um, there's only one job that is my heart's desire above ESPN, and that is the Bruins play-by-play job. And if you will let me out of my contract, I would like to apply for this job. And he said, no, <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. And so, you know, they, uh, they tried a few different play by play guys. And, um, I got the, uh, news that Dave Shea, they used to split the job between home games, which Dale Arnold was calling and Dave Shea, who was calling away games. And I got the news that uh, Dave Shea was not going to return um, like less than a week before the preseason games began. And I was out of contract. Uh, ESPN had decided to dump the NHL and I had just finished a season for HDNet uh, which had the most brilliant picture of the NHL to an audience of 12 nationwide <laughs> at that time because nobody had bought these high-definition HD TVs that would fit on a half a wall. They, we still owned these 300-pound, 27-inch screen 4 by 3 aspect ratio TVs. So we had the best picture and no audience, but uh, I did 62 games for them in the uh, pre-lockout season. And I was in contract talks, uh, talks with them. And uh, I printed up 
a DVD and sent a cover letter and a resume to the Bruins and New England Sports Network overnight priority. And uh, the next day they called me and said, we want you for an interview. And 48 hours after that, they offered me the job and I've been living the dream ever since. Well, speaking of big picture, I, I did find a picture on the internet um, you might remember, Jack, and it's actually, uh, if people can go to eBay, uh, they're able to purchase this <laughs> Jack Edwards glossy photo from WCVB-TV in <laughs> um, Boston. $17, I think, is the best offer right now, plus shipping. So, Jack, I, I <laughs> you haven't aged, my friend. Save your money. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I try to do wow. my homework. I try to do my homework. But uh, <laughs> speaking of homework, you can do your homework and make up all the shows that you've missed at the Gary Stein and Steven show on your home TV. That's right. You can watch us. My friends in Miami watch us. There's Jason and uh, my other buddy watching us down there in Florida, watching uh, Linda Cohn, my ex-ESPN uh a friend as well. We try to get all the old ESPNers to be a part of this. But yeah, just go on to yourhometv.com. You can watch us. I know we're a podcast and we're on Spotify and everything like that. But uh, when you've got an amazing group like this behind Your Home TV, putting on our shows and putting on what we do, we got to support them. And that's why you can watch me and see my friends like Jack and Kenny Mayne and all the people that we've had. There's my buddy Jason. Yourhometv.com to catch the best of the Gary Stein and Steven show. And Jack, uh, it, it's been great to have you as we kind of go into our, our last segment here. And um, I've got to play uh, some of you. Uh, because, again, the fans know you, your passion for this game, and, and it really is great to hear it and to see it. So let's take another listen. Just under Marshan's stick. Anderson down on his front. And they're going to wave the plate dead with the Bruins on the power play coming into the attacking zone. I mean, I understand if there's a peewee gamer, if there's a bone sticking out of his leg. Utterly ridiculous, but you know what, Jack? You bring so much passion to the game, and I love listening to you. Our fans love listening to you, and, of course, our fans love it because we had one of our fans reach out and say, you know, what is the greatest part of your job as the voice of the Bruins, and how do your fans react to your passion for the game? Thank you, Micah, for that question. Again, we've heard that passion. We hear it all the time. Sometimes you get in trouble for it. So uh, where does it all stem from? Uh, it all stems from my uh, soaking wet with tears pillow as I was a kid crying myself to sleep after yet another defeat at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, hockey is such a passion-driven game. And those of us who were fortunate enough to uh, follow it day in and day out um, are intoxicated daily by the pace and the courage and the skill and the cunning and the cleverness of players. And <laughs> that particular situation, <laughs> the Bruins were down by one in a playoff game. And, you know, 
The man was hurt, but he was making his way to the bench. The Bruins were carrying the puck into the attacking zone, and the on-ice officials blew dead a scoring opportunity and a one-goal playoff game. You know, there's an old saying in soccer. Players can win games. Coaches can lose games. Referees can ruin games. <laughs> so I uh, I uh, go off often. Uh, and um, the fans forgive me uh, because I, I don't know why. I am a New Englander for all but the first four years of my life. And um, they seem to be uh, forgiving me and uh, forgive me because they know I am sincere and passionate and I might spark a passionate tone in them. I was going to ask you about this year's Bruins team, best record in NHL. What do you think is the major improvement from last season to this season? Well, I I think Bruce Cassidy laid a really solid foundation uh, for the defensive aspect of this team. And Jim Montgomery, a combination of two things. Well, three things. Obviously, he's a different voice. And in hockey, more than any other sport, because the game depends on such consistent intensity of effort from the players. Coaches' voices, no matter how right they may be, uh, have a declining effect on players. And sometimes it's just time for another voice. Cassidy took over for Claude Julien, the most successful coach by any measure in Bruins history. And my knee-jerk reaction to that firing was, this is really a dumb move. Well, the Bruins took off and they made the playoffs when they were out of the playoffs and they improved virtually every year under Cassidy, despite an eroding roster. And Jim Montgomery has a cleverness and a confidence that he imbues in players as uh, an offensive-minded coach. And he encourages players to take risks and He knows that sometimes the risks are going to blow up, but through half a season and a full training camp, I have yet to hear him throw one player not only under the bus, but off the curb. And he subscribes to the Mary Poppins method of feedback. A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And the team has reacted to that. And at this uh, juncture, I think they're 30, 
five or 34, five and four, uh, you know, something impossible and on record points percentage pace. And I, I didn't in my wildest expectations uh, foresee this. Now, Jack, the coach isn't afraid to throw the, he won't throw the players under the bus, but you've been known to talk about opposing players and things like that. I know you had a recent issue, uh, not issue with uh, the lightning forward. Pat Maroon uh, might've talked a little bit about him being overweight. It got back to him, but it actually turned out to be a positive thing uh, for charity. I mean, is it tough for you when they go, oh, look, you don't know, you didn't skate, you didn't play? Um, I mean, because you're kind of just saying what the fans are saying sometimes, but I know y- you get those repercussions for what you say on the air. Yeah, well, the backstory on the Pat Maroon thing is um, that we were comparing him to um, the big rig is his nickname. And we were comparing him to the uh, forwards who would get routinely bludgeoned in front of the attacking goal and uh, how hard it was to move the players out of there now because he is, if you take hockeyreference.com, which is a really reliable source. Uh, He is tied for the heaviest forward in the NHL. If you take nhl.com, which is uh, susceptible to team-driven propaganda, he is either the third or fourth heaviest forward in the NHL. And we weren't saying he was fat. We were joking about his total weight. And, you know, somebody on social media connected the dots. And it was a firestorm. And um, I, you know, I, I admire the Tampa Bay Lightning for making a donation to uh, 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 a group that helps people with weight. But uh, I never said that Pat Maroon had mental problems or he was fat. (laughs) You know, it's just, you know, these are elite professional athletes. Every single player who pulls on an NHL sweater, even for only one game, is an elite professional athlete. I happen to think that because of their skating skills, they're the best athletes in the world because they have to be physically, aerobically fit, bullish strong, quick of mind, quick of reflex, and have magical hands to do the things that they are trained to do while being assaulted by five enemy uh, skaters who average 6'1 and 200 pounds. And, you know, they're fighting over a puck that doesn't bounce 
True. So combine these factors and, you know, my unabating admiration for these athletes comes out. And it was a joking moment between Brick and me. And it got blown completely out of proportion. But As the media does, right? <laughs> well, you know, it it's it's social media and what it has turned into but um i just interpreted it as a part of the job and baggage that every person in the public eye has to carry i want to hear your opinion on this do you think ovechkin will break gretzky's record yes i i think he will uh because he loves to score goals, uh, and he's unbelievably durable. Uh, <laughs> not to go back to the weight thing, but he weighs 230 pounds. And earlier in his career, he could really motor. And people didn't give him credit enough for how robust he is physically. And that will help him endure his slower years. It happens to all of us. And um, I, I think he will stick around until he has that record. Um, he's a goal-scoring machine. You know, I, I go back to a baseball analogy from the 1970s. Um, Steve Carlton had the best slider perhaps in baseball history. And he got two strikes on a hitter and a catcher who will go uh, anonymous to protect his secret <laughs> said to me once, this batter who is currently in the Hall of Fame <laughs> turned to him and said, He's going to throw me that bleeping slider. It's going to come in at the waist and break to my knees, and I'm going to swing and miss it. <laughs> the catcher said nothing. The slider came, strike three, swinging. You know what's coming with Ovechkin, as you did with Carlton, and you still can't function around it you know a hitter couldn't hit carlton's slider and a goalie well the shot either hits him or scores and you know ovechkin's one timer from the left left wing circle as a right shot is an unstoppable shot it either hits you or doesn't and if it's on goal, it's in. So, and, and yeah, that's Gretzky a was long such, way of saying that he will get the record. And Gretzky was such a different type of player because Ole doesn't get a lot of assists. He'll occasionally get them, but he's mostly dumping to him. He's going to blast it in. I mean, you know, Gretzky defined and probably made hockey, you know, palatable in the United States because of the excitement. And I just know – 
it's it's sad yet it's cool to see you know these kind of things happen and you know it, it, it's it's great for the game and I hope he can you know not get an injury to the knee or something because you know at any moment those guys they could oh, be yeah. out for a while. Yeah, Gretz um, will live forever. You know nobody's gonna ever wear the number ninety nine in the NHL again and. Um, you know, he deserves that. He's been a great ambassador for the game. And uh, I did an ESPN Sunday morning conversation with Gretz uh, just after he uh, passed Gordie Howe for the all-time record. And I said, your children are toddlers and they won't reach the age of reason till you're probably after your prime. Um, what do you want them to know about you that they can't possibly absorb as toddlers? And he thought for a moment, as he always did, he never gave stock answers. And that was part of his effort to sell the game. And he thought for a moment and he said simply how hard I worked. And that sums it up with the most talented player who ever laced up skates. Um, Bobby Orr, for my mind, is the player who revolutionized the game. There are similar players to Orr who play in the style of Orr, but Orr was the original player who turned defensemen into a 200-foot threat. Kretzky did what nobody else can do because he saw past the second pass. He saw the geometry in his head like a grandmaster at chess, but he didn't have 90 seconds between moves. He had two tenths of a second between moves and nobody's mind has worked that quickly ever and ever since. Well, Jack, thank you for spending some time with us tonight. It's been great to, to reminisce. And, of course, don't forget, you can go on eBay and get the Jack <laughs> Edwards photo for $17. I don't know if it's gone up, um, but, uh, no, Jack, you've been such a, a good sport, and it, it's great to see you. Uh, you and I, it was nice to have somebody about the same height as me at ESPN when I didn't have my legs on. So, you know, you always <laughs> made me feel comfortable. But, no, you were always a good friend. I miss our times that we would sit in the newsroom and just kind of talk about Minnesota Twins and other sports other than the ones that ESPN wanted to cover of the Giants, Jets, Eagles, all those kind of things. But uh, you've been a great sport. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Troy, how cool was this tonight, huh? Yeah, it was, it was a blast talking to you tonight, Jack. And, of course, again, thank everybody, our sponsors out there. Of course, uh, make sure you go to freshcleanthreads.com and uh, just check out the clothes that they have. And, of course, listen to Jack Edwards on Nesson. Wherever you pick up hockey, you've got those cable packages that you get. And, uh, you know, you can go there, buy some Fresh Clean Threads, go to a Bruins game, and it'll be a good night. So for Troy and Jack, you got anything you want to say before we kick you out of here? Thanks for having me. 
hey, it was it was great, my friend, my best to your wife, Lisa, and uh, the kids and everything. And again, Jack is still living the dream, and he'll continue and go Bruins all the way to the Stanley Cup. So for Troy, Will, who's at the Vikings game, and we're not going to tell you the outcome because you're not going to want to know. I'm Dave Stevens. Geary Stein and Stevens will be at the Super Bowl on Radio Row. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms because that's what we do. For Troy, for Jack, and myself, that's a wrap. Good night.